about them Cowboys? Dallas was down 20 to Atlanta in the first quarter, 19 at the half, and 15 with five minutes to play and still won the game. The key play was Greg Zerline's spinning onside kick that the Falcons watched and the Cowboys pounced on after it went 10 yards. Tony, you hear the praise the Cowboys come back or bury the sorry Falcons? Well, you could easily do either one. That's no problem. I'm sure you're going to bury the Falcons. Yeah. Be my guest. You're not going to praise the Cowboys for being 15 down with five minutes to play. Not, when you're 12 years old, you understand in Pop Warner football that that kick is a free kick. Every kick off after a score is free. That means you better recover it or your opponent can't. What were these guys doing during the, during the week of practice, the, the Falcons? They didn't go over any special teams elements. That play cost them the game as a in addition to all kinds of other stupid junk they did. What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air, if you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, Brian! Yeah, (laughs) Brian! Yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. How in the hell are you? A day late this week. I apologize for that. I'll just keep rolling with it. Um, I had uh, a lot going on this week. And just too much built up on Tuesday, and I decided to put it off a day, which will be likely the situation next week as well as the first debate. God, I'm dreading this. Uh, The first debate is next Tuesday night, and I'll be doing the radio show the following day, so I'll be needing to prepare thoroughly for that, and it'll just be way too much juggling in one night to try to do a podcast, prepare for a radio show, and fit in what will likely, I guess it'll probably start at probably nine, isn't that usually when it starts? At least eight, and it'll go uh, 90 minutes or whatever it is. That's going to be, uh, I don't know what to expect out of that. I, I just, I, well, I don't know what to expect out of anything in life at this point. Welcome into the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air Radio Show. When I originally put together the elements for this show, the Braves had not won the NL East of, uh, division yet, and they have as of now. So I probably would have started the show with that had I um, had I known that they were going to win at that point. But uh, it was just as much fun to make fun of the stupid Falcons. If, if you're into football, you know what that what how that game ended. And man, was that stupid! And they are the butt of jo- of all the jokes. And it makes me so so happy to watch them not just lose. Look like damn fools so consistently, and it's because of that just awful head coach they have, Dan Quinn. He is a, by all accounts, by all you know, my vantage points, viewpoints, an incredibly cool guy, like incredibly just fun dude. He's just not a good football coach. He's not a goof. He's not a buffoon. He's not stupid. He's just not a good football coach, so that translates in, in his team being unprepared, sloppy, and playing like a stupid team. Um, sometimes you have you know these coaches that are just big goofs. That's not Dan Quinn. He's a, he's a solid dude. They, they love him. You know the players love him. They just they they're not coached well, 
And uh, Atlanta, man, media just hate him. The fans want them to just tank and lose and get rid of him. I don't know what, uh, you know, what Arthur Blank is keeping him around for now, except for in pandemic year. It's almost like everybody gets a free pass no matter how crappy your situation is. But that's been going on for a while ever since the Super Bowl collapsed, and it's not getting better. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll talk a little bit here in a minute about these Titans tickets. They're going to be letting people in the building and uh, what the protocol is on that. They sent me all the information. I'll just fill you in to, in case you wondered how this is taking place, how people, um, uh, what the guidelines are for the uh, for letting, well, I guess it'll be 10% maybe of the uh, capacity at first and it incrementally goes up. Again, it's one of those situations of, I mean, I don't know why you're doing it. Why is it 10% one week and then it, it's 15% the next week? There's, it's it's completely arbitrary. There is no, well, because of this, we'll now do this. I guess it's just another one of the COVID-19 2020 stupid things about the year that we're in. Uh, da, 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 let's see. Um, so, I, so I'm really looking forward to this. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast because I get forget what I'm doing all the time. But, but CNBC starting next Tuesday is going to have just a new news program. I don't know what time at night, but uh, hosted by Shepard Smith, just called The News with Shepard Smith. And he's worked at Fox News and he's worked at CNN. I think he's worked at all of them. And from my experiences, the little amount of experience I have watching him, I've always felt like he was very unbiased. And I'm looking forward to checking out this news program at night because that's the whole that's the whole angle or the way they're promoting it. This is unbiased, real news with also feel good stories and not just scare tactics. And it might be a very refreshing way to get information in the evening. Or it might totally suck. I don't know. I don't know. Find out next week. Speaking of news channels, I was bouncing around. I watch TV through Hulu and uh, through the, my app on my phone and just cast it to the TV. It's pretty pretty good. It's all right. I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. And I was just looking through the channels and got home earlier than normal and the Braves weren't on yet. And uh, I noticed Bloomberg TV has uh, some kind of... I don't know what it's called, but it's it's in Australia, Australian today or ten, this morning or something, and it's live in Australia, giving you know shots of uh, of downtown Australia and stuff. It's you know at six o'clock in the evening here. It's is it twelve? Is it exactly twelve hours difference? Are they ahead that much further? I mean, they're already starting the new day. The stock market numbers are being shown. They're talking world business news and world um, uh, all, uh, every angle of of the news. I thought it was really interesting and really well done. And um, it almost feels like you're lo- you're watching the future, in a way. It's, it's it's odd. I never thought about it because I never needed to. So I might keep my eye on it every now and again. I don't know. Only going to do two segments today. There'll be two kind of full segments though. Coming up in the second segment, I have a ton of audio from people talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and um, this was I put this together the the night of uh, or the weekend of. She died on a Friday night. I put it together that weekend, expecting to use it on Wednesday. So it's, I mean, it's, we all know where we're at with all this and the, all the rush to push through a, another, a, an appointment, appointee, I should say, before the election, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be not really about any of that. Um, I knew a lot about her just from the, just like the Cliff Notes versions, right? I mean, I knew who she was, I knew what she did and what she stood for, but I didn't know a whole lot about her. And, uh, I did a little bit more research on that and, and, uh, just going to play some of those uh, those audio cuts. I got about eight of them. And uh, that'd be the only other segment I do. On the tail end, I'll talk a little bit of the overall Supreme Court as I set up the uh, second segment. And then I'll have two coolest things and two worst ideas for you here in just a minute. But first, in Nashville, 
my opportunity to buy tickets for the uh, the, the first game that they're going to let people in is Thursday the 24th. So right as this podcast is available in the morning at 10 a.m., I have the opportunity to get in the queue through Ticketmaster to see if I get selected to buy tickets for, for the Titans. And I've complained on here over and over again. I don't want to go. I don't want to pay my money. I don't want I don't want to do it for the whole season, but I do want to go to a game. So I'm going to be uh, uh, there right there first thing in the morning to try to get some tickets and just experience this limited capacity world of NFL and all outdoor events at this point. They're going to be doing only mobile ticketing and parking passes. Uh, concessions will all be prepackaged. You won't go get, you know, a piece of pizza. Well, maybe that maybe pizza is a bad example, but you know, you won't get a big thing of nachos or anything like that. You're going to get anything you get will be just already sealed and packaged. All condiments will be in little packets, so all the little stations you'd go to put your mustard and relish and all that on your dog, those are long gone. Those are kind of gross anyway. Probably a good time to get rid of something like that. Smoke-free facility. I would love it if something like that stuck for the long term. I used to smoke, still occasionally have a cigarette. Hate the things. They're disgusting. Can't stand being around them. Uh, you can still bring your clear bag, but it says, please don't. Um, they're getting rid of turnstiles. I think it's about time on that one, too. We digitally know how many tickets were sold. We don't need a turnstile to count the literal people through. I guess maybe there's some code or regulation that says that there's a good idea to do that, but you got something that 60,000 people are all going to touch that day. Probably a good idea to just go ahead and get rid of that. Face coverings, if you're not actively eating and drinking, we can, can tell by most stands that we see, most people follow. I'd say that like that may be at a 50% clip. I'm seeing people um, follow that. Touches fixtures in all restrooms. Sinks and soap and paper towel dispensers, touchless water fountains, uh, complimentary masks will be mailed to all season ticket members attending games, encouraging all guests to arrive early to gates without bags to lessen crowding prior to the start of kickoff. No tailgating. Uh, I just said that about the condiments. Suspending self-service fountain drink service, so that'll be all done uh, on the other side of the counter. 300-plus new hand sanitizer stations throughout the stadium. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. If you're going to try to go to a game, first of all, you got to be a season ticket holder, and then you got to follow some guidelines, and I am uh, very interested to see how all that works out. All right, let's see. Let's get today's coolest thing, one, two, and worst idea, one and two. This is something I found on TikTok. It is quite funny, but it won't be funny until the very end. It's only like 30 seconds long. Just the last like three words he says makes this uh, what makes it such a cool thing. This is today's first coolest thing on the Stone on Air podcast. I have a question. Is it for fuck's sake or for fuck's sake? Like, should I put an apostrophe to show possessive? I guess the question would be, is it for the sake of all fucks? Or for just this fucking particular. I don't know. Let me know. Because I'm at work trying to send an email. And I want it to sound professional. <laughs> uh, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, coolest thing number two. Nick Lutzko has released another video. Not by any stretch one of the nearly as funniest things he's ever done. The video makes it better. Makes it a little more quirky, funny. 
it's just another great tune. And I don't know where he gets these ideas. I got to have him on again sometime soon to kind of pick his brain and how his um, where, where his content comes from and how he formulates his stuff. But this is a theme song for Spirit Halloween. Um, I'm guessing there's no, maybe there is a Spirit Halloween, but I'm assuming that nobody actually reached out to him to make a theme song. And it's basically talking about how uh, Spirit Halloween is here to save the economy because Jeff, Jeff Bezos has killed off all the big box stores that the Spirit Halloweens take up for like two months at the end of the uh, end of every year. It is about a minute and a half long. It's Nick Lutzko and the supposedly uh, theme song for Spirit Halloween. This is the theme for Spirit Halloween. Grandma went and can't stop screaming. Here's the thing about Spirit Halloween. They got skeletons. I had a dream about Spirit Halloween. They called me up and said they need a new theme song. $1,000 for 100 retweets. I said, okay. They said sweet, so this is the theme for Spirit Halloween. They got ghouls and new locations on every single street, saving the global economy. In my dream about Spirit Halloween, I haven't specified the terms of my payment. Was $1,000 for each 100 retweets? She said, yep. I said sweet, my Venmo was at Nicholas Dash, let's go dash one. Before she hung up, she said she was a skeleton. Official theme for Spirit Halloween, guaranteed to give you a thrill. Hell to the queen, this is Spirit Halloween, haunting the buildings of every business. Jeff Bezos killed, Jeff Bezos murdered, Barnes and Noble, Jeff Bezos murdered Sears. Jeff Bezos murdered, toys are us, but Halloween is almost here. Jeff Bezos murdered, Barnes and Noble. Jeff Bezos murdered, Sears. Jeff Bezos murdered, toys are us, but Spirit Halloween is here. It's not that it's really funny, it's just that it's really, really good. Uh, okay, now the worst ideas. What do I got here? First, this is Trump in pittsburgh just like two days ago i believe it was at the airport and yes the uh, gatherings and rallies and uh, rebel rousing it is back this is the first worst idea you know you can't disguise it you ever see sleepy joe with the little circles he puts them very far away so far away, and then he comes up with a mask. He's like a hundred yards from the nearest human being. He's got a mask. He feels good about the mask. I wonder, in the debate, it'll be him and I or the stage. Is he going to walk in with a mask? I, I'll be honest. He feels good about. He feels good about the mask, and that's okay. You know what? Whatever makes you feel good, he feels good. He feels. Good. I mean, honestly. What the hell did he spend all that money on the plastic surgery if he's going to cover it up with a mask? Seriously. Jesus Christ. What is, what, is, what is this? Why do I always still have to be surprised by this fumbling, bumbling fool? I mean, what is the stand-up routine? Is that, is that what we're doing here? Um, I just, I am at a loss every time. Every time. Things are not good. And... That's not a great example as to why 
but it's certainly on the list of things that are just off. We're just we're, things are just off in so many places in life, and that's just one. I, I mean, I feel like I'm living in some kind of fucked up movie, some kind of really stupid Truman Show, or something like that. All right, the second worst idea. I won't spend a lot of time on this today. Maybe more in the future. Maybe not. I don't know. This is Mitch McConnell in 2016. Look to history. We haven't filled a vacancy created during a presidential election year in 80 years. You'd have to go back to 1888, Grover Cleveland, in the White House to find the last time a Senate controlled by the opposite party of the president confirmed a justice in a presidential election year. Look, this has been the history, this has been the tradition to not throw one of these nominees into the middle of a presidential election cauldron. And we're going to honor the precedents that have been created over decades. And that was 10 months before the uh, election day. And here we are, they're doing exactly what they said they sh- you shouldn't do. They're doing it in 46 days. It doesn't matter if it's 46 days or the end of the year. I mean, they can still do this regardless of what happens on Election Day. It's going to happen. Uh, there's an even better or worse uh, audio of Lindsey Graham saying the similar things to that, but saying you can you can call me out on this if if you know you can hold me to my word and you can you can play this back. We're, this is not going to happen in twenty in twenty twenty if if Donald Trump is president and uh, we will and there needs to be a, a appointment we won't do it it won't happen and boom <laughs> what the hell and uh, this Mitch McConnell and uh, Lindsey Graham shit show I mean these two guys I mean this is this is messed up um there the, what you said doesn't matter anymore we don't that world is gone that world has ended it's dead. What you what you said said before doesn't mean anything to what you say and you're gonna do into the future, and it used to. And I like the world better when you were held accountable for for what you for what you said, the precedents that are set. And so I'll get to this uh, audio in the next segment, just kind of in memorializing for the most part. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who no doubtedly is uh, one of the most important people of the modern of modern America I would say even people who don't agree with her uh, ideology would at least still admit to that that she is a very important person and did uh, important things and it seems like there was there's a lot of people just sitting around waiting on her to die and hoping that she would die and was very very happy that she did die she'd been a lot of health issues a lot of cancer issues 87 years old, where the Democrats really screwed this up, really messed this up, was she should have stepped down when the, when the Democrats had control of the Senate back in whatever the final year of that was. That would have been maybe 12 or, or 11, maybe, 2011. I can't remember when the Senate flipped. And that would have been, you know, that would have been 10 years ago. That would have, She would have been the age that the president is running right now. So the vice president is running right now. So I, I could see why she would be too proud if she if she felt like she could still do the job, but she has been in been hospitalized and just very basically not useful to the bench, other than for pictures and to like text in a vote for quite some time now. And the Democrats messed this one up. And I, I I know it probably was talked about a lot at the time. I don't remember history of that time frame well enough, and um, so I don't know. But 
they did mess up on that. But one thing as I close up this uh, segment, I will play the Nick Let's Go Spirit Halloween thing on the way out here too, is I just don't understand this. I thought the law was the law. And I don't know, separation of church and state, I have a, a, trouble figuring out how we've actually ever actually truly really separated church and state completely. Um, I, I don't see in any form or fashion, to me it's malpractice, that a that a council, law, uh, attorneys, judges can bring a religious nature into their decision making. I, 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 it seems like that should be like that should bar you from the practice. And cases that involve things like abortion, Roe versus Wade, and the uh, and legalizing gay marriage, those are so heavily influenced by religion. I mean, really, it comes down to gay marriage. That's all that's about is that it's a sin. Well, so what if it's a sin? This is the law. This isn't your religious practices. This is the law. It's not about whether it's a sin or not. That's for you to sit around in your churches on Wednesdays and Sundays to talk about. Get that mess out of the law. Abortion, I guess you could say, is not entirely religious-fueled, but I would say majority of it is. I would. And I, I know you can make an argument that that's not the case, but I, I just I don't understand why there's liberal judges and conservative judges. I thought this was the law. I thought we were interpreting the Constitution and, and, and interpreting the law of the land. And it shouldn't have anything to do with what church you go to or what religion you practice. Maybe I'm just ignorant to this. I do have some law friends that around beers will talk about this at some point in time. Uh, John Bue, looking at you. Um, so, I don't know. It just might be over my head. Maybe I'm not smart enough to understand it. I am not smart enough to understand a lot of things. All right. Put the wraps on it right there. And a bunch of audio. Just basically in tribute to the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Coming up next. you get another copy of that memo we learned of the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was not only a giant in the legal profession but uh, a beloved figure and uh, my heart goes out to all those who cared for her and care about her she uh, practiced the highest American ideals as a justice Equality and justice under the law, and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, stood uh, stood for all of us. I wasn't old enough to understand the importance of this song at the time. Good song with a good message, done in a ska punk rock kind of way. No doubt. Welcome back in. Of course, this had to happen. Of course. 
did something on uh, overused words the other day on the radio, and that might be one of the newer ones this year. Well, that happened. Of course it did. Because of course it did. In 2020, of course, of course that happened. I meant to mention on the front end and I forgot. Um, give some love to uh, the Hemp House. They're spending money with me. Um, more through the radio station and more throughout the entirety of the radio station. Not just me. But I have kind of become the voice for the Hemp House at uh, 92.7. And they sent me this uh, incredible, like, gift box. I don't know if they sell these as gift box or if they just customized it for me. I, uh, Dwayne and Casey, uh, the, they're a married couple who, who run it and um, they're big Panic fans and I've known them uh, not real, real well, but pretty well because I run into them at shows all the time and they're, we got a lot of mutual friends. So I don't know if they put something together that they knew specifically that I would like. I'm just, I'm not sure. But man, is it impressive, impressive stuff. It's incredibly well packaged uh, a badass shirt and trucker hat they sent in there with it. I haven't tried any of it yet except for the uh, the, the Rice Krispie Treat. Uh, Oreo Krispie Treat is what it was called. You know, it's got CBD infused in it. And damn it, man, if it wasn't delicious. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And I'm not a big um, uh, sweets candy guy. I devoured that thing. Now, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to learn more about the CBD stuff. I'm kind of out of the cannabis world i don't smoke weed anymore don't really like i don't like it anymore um i don't follow the latest trends and obviously the biggest explosion trend consumer product in the last however many years it is is cbd and i don't know enough about it to say whether it is really great for you or it's really not but it is it comes from the world of supplements and lots of different supplements give different results to different people melatonin I, melatonin doesn't do a bleeping damn thing for me, but some people swear by it and take it every single day. I don't take it because it doesn't do anything, and I just don't feel like taking something if I don't feel like it's doing anything. Placebo effects are always there as well. So I, all I know is is the package is incredible. They're um, they're they're they have a pretty good footprint, and he's all in. And so I I don't know if the CBD is helping me, but I also haven't tried. There's there's bombs and rubs and uh tinctures and all kinds of things so uh, gummies i do like gummies now so i'll get back to more on that at another time and tell you what i think about if i'm ever feeling any of these effects because i'm going to get on a, a regiment where i'm going to go for like two weeks or something and do something in, like every day to see if i'm getting any kind of um if i'm feeling any kind of relief from whatever it is i'm trying to do again i don't know enough about it but i just want to say thank you hemp house and if that's your thing Check them out. All right, so let's get to this. I did this over the weekend, and I'm running out of time every single day, so I hope I don't fumble this around. Let's turn my audio back up here. Let's get out of there. Let's pull up that right there. Eight items. There we go. All right, so I just played this first one because this was Brian Williams' 11th hour show on MSNBC. He's setting up a a, a, a comment commentary into question-ish kind of thing to Robert Acosta from the Washington Post, and he's just so damn good at what he does, I decided to add it in here. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg enjoyed this weird collision and confluence of social media, a feature film of her life story, 
a documentary of her life story and time on the bench, an assist from Saturday Night Live, a hungry generation of young Americans coming of age in a political time who realized in real time just how historic a figure she was among us. And look at the town where you live, Washington, D.C., on an unseasonably cool night at 11 o'clock Eastern time. People felt the need to go outside to make it to the steps of the court. Sum up what you see there. So that's he's talking to Robert Acosta, who lives in D.C. and who was on the ground earlier as uh, there was a big gathering. I don't know if there's like a vigil or whatever those are called, but there are a lot of people gathered at the Supreme Court on Friday night. The scenes we're watching tonight are perhaps the least surprising thing I've seen as a reporter who lives in Washington, works in Washington, because Justice Ginsburg was not only a legal figure, and she was a cultural figure as well, as you just noted, but she was a moral figure for so many people who live in Washington, especially those who are more center, left of center. They saw her as an icon, an inspiration. You walk down the places, the neighborhoods in Washington, D.C., where young Senate and House staffers live, college students live, places like U Street and uh, the, the crosses around U Street and 16th and 17th Street. And you look up at walls there, there are murals to Justice Ginsburg, paintings of Justice Ginsburg. People know the face, they know the image, they connect with it. And I can't tell you how many of my sources in the Democratic Party say they came to Washington to practice law, to practice politics because of Justice Ginsburg. And, and for millennial women in particular, after she was nominated and confirmed by President Clinton in the Senate, she is someone who for the last almost three decades has been at the, the forefront of American legal political thought, and that has made her this figure who so many people and so many women identify with uh, in a powerful way. And that's a legacy that will last for decades to come. Pulitzer Prize writer for the Washington Post, Eugene Robinson, and his thoughts. I just want to mark the passing of a true giant of jurisprudence. I mean, I, I compare the accomplishments of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to, to those, they're analogous to those of the late Justice Thurgood Marshall in, in the way she advanced rights for women in this country, particularly with all the, the groundbreaking landmark work that she did even before she got to the Supreme Court. So we, we have we have lost a, a true giant uh, tonight and, uh, and it is a very sad day uh, for this country just on that on that basis with everything these days in tv news and youtube and uh, wherever we get these kinds of audio uh, everybody's from their damn house on a on an internet connection some are better than others that one obviously wasn't that good nicole wallace is the former white house communications director for george w in uh for the 04 re-election campaign and a senior advisor to john mccain's 2008 presidential campaign one of the um, obituaries that went up on, um, I think it was the Washington Post website, shortly after news broke that she died, told the story of her frustrations right after she, after she graduated from law school. And she said she couldn't find a job. And there were three things that, in her view, were working against her, that she was Jewish, that she was a woman, and that she was a mother. And if you are a, a woman working in this country, if you're a working mom in this country, your life is better because of her. And it did not matter what party from which you hailed. You knew what she had done. You stood on her shoulders. And 
This loss comes at a time when people are just writhing around in the feeling of loss, the loss of the normal way of life. But losing her, people talked all the time about how they wanted her in bubble wrap. They just needed her to live until there was another president so that that spot would be preserved so that her role, not just on the court, but in American life and especially for women would be preserved. You know, I've been talking a lot recently about how I I just I consistently have a nervousness that I've never experienced before that lingers. And she kind of Nicole just kind of touched on that with talking about how at this comes at a time when there's so much unrest. I don't mean from the grand picture of the unrest. I mean, just on a day to day basis. I don't think this is unique to me. I know it's not unique to me, but I don't I think that that you might find this more often if people are being honest. Uh, there's a lot of people walking around regularly on edge and something like this doesn't obviously doesn't help that. And I, I don't know people have lived like this their whole life. I don't, I don't envy that. I don't envy this feeling, this, you know, constant everyday nervousness, almost needing to medicate it is something that I know a lot of people have had to deal with their whole lives coming from a, you know, I, maybe I'm just was too arrogant and didn't pay attention to the, my surroundings and didn't care enough. I mean, I, I don't think that's it, but it might be part of it. Uh, this is a voice, uh, Joyce Vance, excuse me, a former U S attorney from Alabama. And women like me, we owe our careers to Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she went before us. She she made the path so much easier for us to walk because of her commitment to equal justice under the law. And she had a, a delightful ability, a wonderful turn of phrase, as you say, to make the law comprehensible for everyone. And, and I always think about in the Shelby County versus Holder case, which came out of my part of Alabama, the, the famous voting rights case. And she explained it like this. She said, Throwing out the Voting Rights Act when it's working, when it's protecting people's right to, to vote, is like throwing away your umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm because you're still dry. And that is of so much value to all of us, taking her experience as a lawyer and taking it onto the bench in the way that she did. If you're a regular listener, you know how much I love John Meacham. He is from uh, right here in Chattanooga. He, I don't know how long he lived here. I think he went to the university. Was it Swanee? Isn't that up there somewhere near? nearby born in Chattanooga went to school there and then I think he's pretty much been gone and doesn't really celebrate the city in any way I might be wrong about that I hope I'm wrong about that because I've never heard of him being here for anything other than maybe a book signing I adore the man he's a presidential uh, historian and author I think he's a Pulitzer Prize winner as well he is he is and if he's talking I am listening she believed firmly in the rule of law she believed in the capacity of the Constitution not to remain in a kind of 18th century amber, but saw it as a living document that could, in fact, be part of the Enlightenment-era project that America at her best has been. Uh, it was not a matter of reflexive authority or simply following what was written down, but was to use the God-given uh, gift of reason to assess changing circumstance, to assess changing data in order to arrive at a more perfect union. And is there anything more fitting than a constitutional order that is so clearly on the ballot will now have a vibrant, uh, contentious, doubtless, but a vibrant battle not only over Article One 
the Congress and its power, not only over Article II, the presidency and its powers, but now Article III and the judiciary and that founding project that because of our appetites, because of our ambition, because of our limitations, no one of us could be trusted with absolute authority. I have a just longing dream of being able to someday before I die interview that man, if nothing else, just on the phone. Likely not going to happen. He's pretty much a rock star when it comes to the political world and commentary. But uh, boy, he is he is he is a joy to listen to. Um, I don't really know if I wrote this down wrong. Solicitor General of the United States under Obama. I don't know what the hell that is, but it has something to do with law. Anyways, an MSNBC contributor now. His name is Neil Katyal, and I'll have two cuts from him, and then we'll wrap it up here shortly. Well, I am heartbroken. Um, anyone who loves the court, anyone who loves the law is heartbroken tonight. And I, I know we have to talk about Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump and all of that, but let's not let our <laughs> worries about these folks cloud this moment. Nicole, she was so much greater than all of that. She transcended that. I mean, there's almost no one who's changed our lives more in the last, uh, you know, last decades um, as an advocate for women's equality, even on the more mundane stuff, like how the court operates, the civil procedure rules and stuff like that. Um, but that's not why you see these scenes in Washington tonight at the Supreme Court. I mean, uh, the only other time I've seen a scene like that is after the same-sex marriage case was decided when you had thousands of people mm-hmm. on the plaza singing America the Beautiful and the like. And, you know, they're doing that tonight. And Justice Ginsburg cast one of those five deciding votes for same-sex marriage, as she did so many different things in her life. She was a fervent uh, advocate for equality. And the words above the Supreme Court are equal justice under law. There is no one in our lives who's embodied that more in her life's work than her. So it is the most, it is the hugest loss to the court and to the country imaginable. And so I, I, it's quite literally, she wasn't dead five minutes, and most of the, the narrative had swung political, which, you know, shocked, right? Shocked, I am not. <laughs> Said no one ever, right? Um, it's still kind of, you know, it's still kind of tacky. They did eventually go down that road, and one of the arguments for, um, for rushing through an appointment before the election is that well this could be a very uh this this let this this could be a contested and probably very likely will be a contested election that might need the supreme court to vote on something involving with the election and uh, he says that that's bogus i mean this is a bogus argument and it's so sad to me to hear people like mitch mcconnell tonight rushing essentially with glee to try and fill this seat and this is the trump administration's modus operandi um the idea that the supreme court can't function with eight members is preposterous i've argued before an eight-member court many times uh and of course the best evidence that it can function with eight was what the republicans said in 2016 which was it's easy to function with eight when you have eight justices, what it means is that if there is a tie vote, that the decision of the lower court is affirmed without any precedential decision making. Uh, so it doesn't you know, bind other cases. That's a common thing. It happens. Even if you have nine justices, you often have one recused for any number of reasons, stock investments or involvement with the case or the parties or the like. Our system accommodates those things. This is not about the very few cases that are going to come before the court in the next 
next couple months. This is because they want a lifetime appointment. Uh, and, you know, and the problem with that for the Republicans is that's exactly what they said in 2016 was un- inappropriate and unfair. It's just all about power, man and woman, men and women. That's all it is. It's all about power, and I get that part of it. And um, I saw this one coming from a mile away. I mean, anybody who pays attention to anything saw this one coming. I I am still feel like it is, I don't know if I want to say likely, but still very, very, very possible that uh, Trump wins this election. Obviously, it's possible, but you, you see what I mean. I think it's. I think he probably will. Uh, I don't know. It's so hard to, to, to figure where some of these swing states are going to go. So I was already of the of the mindset that Trump was going to have eight years and Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going to die within those eight years. Like so I've I've already knew this was going to happen. I just was thought maybe it would happen later and there's still a chance that Joe could win and Joe might win. Joe might win, but I'm as I keep saying, broken record. Something feels wrong. Something doesn't feel like like we're just going to have an election and um and it's going to end like anything that we've ever experienced before. This is going to be a wild, wild wild-ass November and December and January, potentially dangerous. And um, no reason for for predictions. No reason to sit around and having debates about what might or might not happen because every week, every month, almost every day, something is happening that we're not used to or we've never seen before. And it's it's not going to end anytime soon so there you go that's all i got a little uh, shorter on the show today looks like we'll be right around 40 minutes which is fine i might have to start scaling back a little bit to that because juggling all this radio and i'm not even doing it five days a week yet and i have a feeling that might come sometime not necessarily soon but someday that's just a lot to juggle and uh, while i enjoy it it's and it's also part of the stress that i have the nerves that i have more than i used to i'm just trying to think god what am I going to talk about today? So, um, anyway, there's that. I uh, appreciate you so much. I never always forget to say it. If you get a chance, re- leave a review wherever it is you, uh, you you get podcasts. And as I always say, if you ask me to do it for you, I probably wouldn't. So, I would think about it. I would uh, uh, I would duly note it, and then I probably would never get around to doing it. Stone on air on all social media. You already know all these things. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. here in Chattanooga, Tennessee at 10 a.m., one hour on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. All right, see y'all later. Bye. Bye.